2: What's on your mind? Oh, oh
0: gosh. <laughs> okay, I promise we wouldn't do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that's episode 98, Court at Indiana Podcast. We're going to try a different opening. I don't think Zach's up to the task. Hey, Zach, you don't like it when I put you on the spot, do you?
2: I, you know what? I I I like to be a little bit planned and aware of what's happening, but I, I can also do some things off the There we cuff, go. So.
0: It's got to be. It's got to be better than the the rinse repeat of teaching yeah. girls soccer, girls
2: yeah.
0: volleyball, whatever.
2: Yep. We yeah. I mean, we
0: could we could riff for a little bit. We only have two recruiting updates, so it's not like we got anything going on this week, yeah, <laughs>
2: other than true. other than
0: games. We're that's we're true. trying to get we're trying to get Chris Spillman on to talk about Westfield Zionsville, but he's at a uh, fall sport or a fall football sports banquet. Obviously, Zionsville football did really well, so they're just now finishing their season last week or the week before. So their, uh, their fall banquet is today. So he's not going to be able to do the uh, Westfield-Zionsville update, which we were we, – we didn't really bank on it. But it was kind of a last-minute dec- decision to see if he wanted to come on and talk about it since it was such a good game. But I don't think either one of the – any any of those two indie games are going to make our – our list this week because we neither one of us went to him yeah so but we're at episode 98 of course let's get to the entry episode 98 of course at indiana podcast jim reamer joined as always by zach tyler yeah, zach, yeah so what, have
2: you have you been to a game this year that you feel like shot clock is warranted well, let's just get let's get to that let's check that out um Or would would you have noticed the difference in any games if there was a shot clock this year so far?
0: I almost tweeted yesterday during the Carmel Homestead game that – because it was 19 to 16 at half. Okay. And, of course, everybody just completely erroneously assumes that low-scoring games means teams are holding the ball. Right. Uh, and, And it's clear they don't value or understand how tough it is to score on certain teams. Um. Shot clock would not have made one bit of difference in that first half outside of the last possession of the first quarter. Um, That's, you know, hold on a second. I'm typing something real quick. Um, The Carmel tried to hold for the final shot of the first quarter as they, as they, can do and, and successfully. And they did, they held for the shot. Um, and it may have been at halftime. I can't, it may have been the final possession of the first half, but they still gave Homestead enough time to come down and score. Right. I mean, they got a great shot. It was, so it wasn't like they were holding it to the buzzer. It was definitely one of those one or a great one. And they got a great one and scored, cut it to one. And, and then, um, Leaper came down the floor, in transition was able to get a pass and finish. He was able to get ahead of people, not too far ahead of people. He was able to get even with, with Carmel's train, you know, the back line of Carmel's transition defense and score. So look, I I've, it's, it's pinned to my Twitter profile. I'm in favor of the shot clock. What I I've coached with it. I love it. What I'm not a favor of is it has to be here. We need it. Blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, there's going to be a lot of retrofitting in schools that may or may not have the budget to do it. Right. It's not like you can just put a clock, and maybe you can. Maybe I'm. I guess when shot clocks fail, NBA teams literally just pull a clock out and put it on the floor in the corners. College teams do the same, so they they. Um, I, mean, I guess they do do that, but. You know, think of all the scoring. Those are professionals who do it every single game. They're paid to do it. At college games, at least most college games, at least the college games we watch on TV, and NBA games, those that's paid personnel. You know, and that's somebody – I mean, outside of maybe a couple of those older dudes retiring or passing away, like the Pacers have the same scorekeeping crew year after year. These aren't just people – these aren't just teachers they pull in on – out of a classroom looking to make, you know, volunteer points or maybe a little bit of a stipend. I don't, I don't know if, like, if Carmel – like, Carmel has four people running their scoreboard. Might be three. Yeah, if, it, if you count the official score, or if you, yeah. Count, yeah, if you count the person keeping the scorebook, Carmel has four people at the scores table involved with either the scorebook or the scoreboard. And now, one of those is stats. Somebody's keeping track of points and fouls and who's in the game. Um, I don't know if those people are getting paid or if they're volunteering or not. I'll have to ask. It's, um, you know, I don't know when I'm when I'm getting to their next home game, but I don't go to every game. Popular, despite what everybody thinks, but but yeah, no, I've not seen any game this year where shot clock is is warranted. Now, I've seen would that change how teams attack defensively and maybe slow maybe slow some teams down? I don't know. Um, I don't think the shot clock is going to have quite the same the the result that people think it would at this level. I think it would actually at the be- beginning, I think it would lower some scores because I think it would really cause some coaches to start entrenching their
2: defense right. and thinking teams if take we can bad shots too
0: right. if we can force teams to take bad shots, yeah, then all of a sudden you you you, you might change your defensive philosophy, you know. Just like people think you press to speed teams up, no. Sometimes you press to slow teams down, and it really does depend on the press, right? You know, and 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 sometimes you press to tire teams out. I mean this the scary the scary twenty uh, first century versus Tuscola team yesterday at the homes or at uh, Brownsburg. The Tuscola team had a kid that's going to Loyola who was really good. I don't think Gary did much to turn them over, but they did do anything they could to make them play faster. And this guy was exhausted with two minutes to go in the second quarter. And he came out in the second half, completely different player. He definitely had not gotten his legs back. And Gary and 21st Century went on to win. And they, you know, they were, they were good yesterday. Um, but, um, you know, shout out to them because last year they looked <laughs> really bad <laughs> in that thing against Brownsburg, who didn't have Pierce Thomas, who didn't have Luke Lacey, um, and who also had – those two guys were out because of COVID. And they also had another kid that was missing because of an injury. So they were missing three of their pieces, top yeah. six guys. I expected them to come in and look kind of the same, but obviously to, I think Ashton Williamson's the, the big difference there. He's such a good defender. But, no, I don't think – I've seen a game yet. Um. Where it would impact anybody's offense, um, that doesn't mean there are other games across the state. But that would be the case. I, you know what though, and I, I'll say this: well, let's pull it back a little bit, I and mean, I'm taking it from a simple, pretty simple angle. And maybe, and if you if you were thinking the same way, maybe you might change your thought. Even though you didn't give me your thought, you just asked the question. But the, it it would have changed the end of the Carmel game. Now, it, would not, it may not have changed the result, but sometimes teams don't get as desperate when they know the other team would have to shoot. You know, it, it, it might change the end of some games. Right. Where instead Definitely. of fouling, they feel like they can just defend and yep. get stops. Um, you know, and, and it was um, – I think that's where the shot clock shines. To me, the shot clock has nothing to do with teams holding on to the ball. And, and there probably are some teams that do that. But yeah. I, I think it shines at the end of games.
2: More, more of get... a reward, reward for defense, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So a three-possession game with, you know, a minute and a half to go is suddenly doable. You know, that's, that's where the shot clock really comes into play you know, I thought I, I sat next to the Homestead radio crew last night and they were talking about how it was important for Homestead to get a lead and to, to not really have a big lead, but to maintain, you know, just to maintain control of the game. And they said, because last year they felt, um, I, can't, I can't remember who they said they talked to. It may have been coach Johnson, but somebody had said that if, and these are kids, so the kids were making this observation. So that was impressive for them to take it to this level, but, or at least remember how important this was to, to whomever told it to them that when you're down by six or eight to Carmel, it feels like you're down by 20, right? Because of late, they can grind you down and, and still while still looking for a really good shot. Of course, I think Homestead's one of those teams too. If you, if you're down, I mean, they were ahead of Carmel by six, you know, or, and it was just like, Oh shit, if they if Carmel didn't score on this possession, they were going to be in trouble. And sure enough, it happened. And, and, now they're down eight, and now you just feel like you've got to really start unloading all your weapons, and and that doesn't go well when you have to have. You know, your help gets further away from the gap, from the driving gap, and now then lawyer goes in for basically three straight layups. Is, is what happened. Um, so you know we can talk about that game later, but it, it's it's um. But it, it was—I um, I think a shot clock would impact. I mean, do you, do you feel differently about? I mean, you asked it probably thinking—were you thinking that you you don't? You, have you seen a game yet where you where you think it would impact it?
2: No, I have it. I yeah. have it. You, I figured you that's you where you asked. were going with it. Nope, you asked, so I threw it out there. Something just came to my mind, and
0: or I asked what was on your mind. <laughs> that yeah. was it. That's fine. That's a good topic. And
2: that that just what that's just what happened to come come to me there.
0: I mean, I think talking about it once a year is not a bad deal till it comes out. But you know, when you two teams that value the pos, possessing the basketball, Carmel and Homestead, it, I don't know that it would have made a difference until the very final two minutes of the game. Um, I, I think Carmel's more than willing. I imagine Homestead would be too. They were impressive defensively yesterday. Um, but. I think both those teams would value a shot clock because they also know they could guard for 30 to 35 seconds. Yep. I think it would be bad if the shot clock was longer than 30. Uh, Definitely couldn't be any longer than 35. There wouldn't be a point. And then you would see, you would see teams slow it down. So, or you would see lower scores. For sure. Oh, go ahead. Nope. Well, no, you go ahead cuz I I want to get one oh,
2: of I was just going to talk about well, we, we both got to see it the uh, the the same team this week which is rare.
0: Yeah, you saw Homestead play Warsaw. Yeah. You know, Warsaw's always been a team too that's that's the the coaches they've had here in succession have been guys that when I mean, you saw Penn too, uh, obviously Coach Rhodes used to be the head coach of Warsaw and um And aren't they just one coach removed from Rhodes at Warsaw? I mean, Matt Moore is the head coach there now. I forget who the guy he replaced was. Yeah, Um, uh, Ogle,
2: huh? Ogle was it? Ogle, Ogle? yeah. So it went
0: from Rhodes to Ogle to Moore, and all and all three of those guys are guys that value possession. You know, none of them now. Coach Rhodes has had some teams at Penn where he's pushed it. Yeah. I don't know that Warsaw's had the kind of depth that you know some of the some of the schools in 4A can produce. Um, but they they tend to be teams that have low scoring games. Huntington North under Teagle, Teagle would, would be the same guy in that in that vein where unless he has a lot of offensive talent, you can bet they're going to possess the basketball. I yeah, I just don't think. Now, do you, have you seen the games where you thought it would impact the end of a game? No, I haven't. Okay. See now I have. I really feel like I have seen it impact the end of a game. Um it would definitely impact those those two or three possession games where there's just a lot of fouling at the end. But that's, you know, you know, again, that's just you know, hell, I don't I don't know. I I just don't think it's necessary. I, I do think it would clean up some games though and and it w- it would take some adjustment on the the uh, the organizational point of it but I, I think I think most of the coaches would welcome it um, but you know I don't know I don't know what I don't know what, what we'd have to take a poll maybe we could take a poll maybe we just take a poll. I can email all the coaches tomorrow and see if we can get participation in that. So there we go. We're doing player of the week this week on you know on the website. So maybe we'll we'll get to that
2: point. But yeah, we got recruiting news here. <coughs>
0: Recent, so, like wait, within no, the last two no, minutes. Like,
2: no, like with the start of the podcast, we haven't even talked about that yet.
0: Well, we've not done that yet, but there's only two two new two, two two updates, right? Yeah. Oh, well, I thought you were yeah. telling me something came across right now. We'll get those going. Let's let's get those two out and then we'll then we'll move on to our weekly stuff that we do in right, the so, seasons
2: here. So 2025 Fisher's Jalen Harrelson picked up another D one offer, this one from IUPUI. And then Reggie Bass, the former Illinois commit, uh got a D two offer from Southern Indiana. And that was it for the week.
0: Yeah, that that one's That one's interesting. Hold on. I was going to load up my database and and didn't do that. Um, Let's see. PID 152. Let's see what his offers have been here lately. Since decommitting, his offers have been what? Oregon State, Hofstra, and Southern Indiana.
2: Bass, right? I was going to try to look myself. I'm not sure.
0: Or Or did, no. Providence, Kansas State. Oregon state, but those Providence and Kansas state came in the summer. And then Oregon state came at the end of September. Hofstra came last month and then Southern Indiana comes in yesterday. I mean, it's, I'm not sure what happened with his commitment. Uh, Not really. I don't know. That's. Obviously, we're only going to get one side of that because Illinois can't comment on it. Um, but it, it's it's interesting that his his recruiting hasn't really taken off, um, even among some of the area mid majors. You would would have thought that some of those guys would have jumped on board quickly. Right? Yeah. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't know if there's any other. You know, there could, I mean, there could be some academic issues that that's anytime somebody, you know, anytime that, that's always an option. Um. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things that unless we know it's not, we can sometimes play that it could be. Um. I, I can tell you that he's, he's – he definitely can make – he's definitely a guy that can make plays for teams. And I, I think he does need to improve off the ball on both ends of the floor, you I know, mean, away from the ball. Defensively, his help <laughs> his help side, offensively, his movement without the ball. Um, you know, but he – when he has the ball, he's electric. He can definitely make plays. And he – you know what? He finds people. I do think the ball sticks with him Sometimes but I, I do think there's a little bit of that by design. I think they put him in positions where he's isolated and, and can make plays for their people. And I, I've been pretty impressed with his vision. And I, I do think that when he, sees, when he sees something, he makes the right play. Um, but, you know, at any time he doesn't, you just chalk that up to him being in high school and, you know, a lot of that. So, but he's... Um, it's been interesting that there have been a lot of – like the Indiana State, Ball State, places like that haven't gotten involved. Evansville. I mean, I haven't heard – you know, there's – you know, he's having a good start to the season for Arsenal Tech, and they're definitely one of the teams that could come out of sectional 10. And if they can do that, then they're definitely a team that could, that could get all the way to the state championship. So, you, you should try to watch some of their – whatever game they have on video.
2: Okay. Watch them play. That. Yeah. I see Rob <clears throat> Rashid's had a couple of good games, hasn't he? Too.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, they're it's a good they got a good group. Those kids do play together in the summer. Uh, at least Jones and and Turner and Davion Turner and Bass. Um, but I mean they've they've also got a couple of other guards that penetrate and I'll tell you what, Jones gets a lot of corner threes. He gets threes in transition. Um, if if he can drive, he can drive a closeout. He doesn't create a whole lot in, in terms of just like he's not an ISO guy. He's definitely a catch and shoot guy, or come off a screen guy, you know, or a guy who can drive a closeout. Um, but he is um, he's definitely benefited from you know playing on a team that's got other scoring options because he can go out and put up. Twenty to thirty points in a game, like it's nothing. So, um, hold on a second and turn my ringer off my phone. I don't know if you heard that or not, but um, Harrelson kid's good. I don't know what his statistics have been early on, but I saw him their scrimmage against Newcastle. He was their best player. He was their best talent to say that he was their best talent um he scored easily and again it's a team there's no scouting there's no game planning it was scrimmage you know they both teams were out there trying to get their own stuff figured their own stuff figured out but he was ahead of where I thought he would be at that time now what what happens is teams start to get film on him and figure out what he can and can't do at this early stage you know we'll see that's the next round of development for him. But he is definitely, he's definitely a high major talent. Then he's, you know, that's his ceiling. So, um, I kind of, I really like watching him play actually. So, you could see the the wheels turning in his head as he's trying to figure out even where the next pass is. Like he knows, he understands that he has his own gravity, and that he he has to find people as as part of what he does. So. And defensively, he's really good. I think you'd be impressed with him defensively. He definitely takes that side of the ball seriously.
2: So that's nice. All right,
0: best game, best team, best best player performance of the week, and then we're going to add a little feature this week. Um, any fresh? We're going to mostly focus on freshmen that we see in a given week. But if, if we don't see a freshman, then it'll be like a new sophomore, you know, like a, a sophomore that maybe took a jump from last year. I, I don't want it to be a sophomore who was like a, a regular, um, maybe like we're robbing them exposure, but like a regular contributor as a freshman. It would be somebody that kind of came up new this year. Is kind of where I think we're going with that. But we both are going to have freshmen to talk about this week. So yeah. Um, So let's start with best game and we'll go, we'll work our way through this.
2: Yeah. You want me to take it away here?
0: Yeah. You, yeah. I always start with you. People got to get tired of me talking. So you always lead.
2: Always. (laughs) All right. All right. Uh, So let's see. I went to three games this week, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. Um, my, My Tuesday night game, I mentioned via Twitter that it had, the first time I had been at McEwen Gymnasium in Dunlap, Indiana, at Concord High School, in 15 years, uh, the, the game ended up not disappointing, only because at the end it was won by a three-point shot that bounced off the front of the rim, straight up in the air, and then down into the basket. Uh, so,
0: Why Leonard, <laughs> like, nice.
2: Yes, yes. So, I mean, the game overall was a little little sloppy in the beginning, uh, but but otherwise, it, it was probably, you know what, I don't know if it was the best game. Oh, the, the best ending, we'll say that one, it was the best ending of a game.
0: That's usually but, how that works, though. Yeah. I didn't see a lot uh, of good endings this week.
2: So that was my, the best ending, but the best all-around game for four quarters, I'm going to have to say, was the, the Penn Crown Point game last night.
0: Yeah. That would
2: have been. I'm going to talk about those Penn boys in a little bit here too. Cool. And our, their our highlight of that. Uh, All right. But that was was the best game. It was back and forth. Um,
0: And Penn um, won by four, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Crown Point just couldn't couldn't get over that hump. They, I mean, especially at the end, they couldn't. They would get a stop, and then they would they couldn't get a score, or they could get a score, but then they couldn't get a stop. So. It, it it just ended up being not their night, obviously. and Penn was just too tough. And I think Penn's gonna be a little bit better than some people think or think or thought they were gonna be. But but it was just not Crown Points night last night. But but that was the best game I saw this week.
0: Wouldn't this be the year though that Penn would have to be good? I mean, those those guys have been this is their third year. I mean, yeah. Joe's I mean, obviously Marcus Burton is I think most people who would mm-hmm. listen to this podcast know he who he is. Joe Smith. Um is there other guard, there other junior guard? Uh the dirty kid. Is he was he starting? Was he getting a lot of playing time?
2: Uh he's not on the team. Not on the team? Nope. Whoa. He transfer? I have no clue. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah.
0: We need to figure that out. Cause he was, I mean, he's 6'6, six, 6'7, six, six, and skilled. And and I know I don't know what Coach Rhodes' plan for him would have been, I, I know he's always thought of him as a skilled kid. You know, sometimes kids like that can get stuck inside and don't like it, but... Um, I mean, I've never known... I've never known them to... Um, I've never known them to to not let a kid feature his skill set just because he was tall. Right. So... Um. You know, they had, I think, it was the Applegate kids that went through there, the older one?
2: Yep, yep, no. I mean, he
0: wasn't, he wasn't, I mean, he was basically a four who maybe had to play a five. I don't know if he felt like he was out of position or not, but, I mean, definitely was definitely, I mean, he was definitely not a perimeter player. Smart kid. Smart player, Hell but yeah. Yeah. definitely a big. Um, I mean, dirt is thin. He wouldn't have necessarily been a. You know he wouldn't have been a big, but I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. He's not on the roster. Wow, that would have, that would definitely surprise me. So, um, God, I mean, what's my best game of the week? I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I, I I'll say I saw some, kind of saw some stinkers this week.
2: <laughs>
0: uh-huh. I mean, it was. Um, I, you know, I don't. I mean, I think that. I guess I'll just go ahead and say the best game was no. I'm going to save that for best team. Um, best game would be Gary Twenty First Century versus Tesla. Just because of how well I thought Gary Gary persevered in the first half and played. I mean, Ashton Williamson brings a lot to them both especially defensively because that was a team last year that just didn't guard well and in some stretches didn't guard at all and Williamson is all about the defensive side of the floor without question and he is also so long he is very long and you know why I think he's I think too he's he's really he's really tight with Moss DJ DJ Moss who's a wonderful athletic talent and I noticed when they played together in the summer that I, Moss can take coaching. He can definitely get a butt-chewing and, and come through it. But what I noticed a lot, too, is that, that in the summers, Williamson would hold him accountable just as much as their coach would. So now you put that during the school season with a kid who is actually willing to take it and listen. I mean, Moss's defensive performance this weekend was, was, was better than what I had seen. it, And a lot of that could just be maturation, too. Um, they both are notice- noticeably stronger, and I don't know that what Clint- Quentin Floyd did that game. We didn't really get any stats. Um, I, I didn't get any pictures of him. And that's not the end-all, be-all, but I, I take a lot of pictures at games now, trying to get at least, obviously, good headshots to the website, but also, a few action shots and, and. I didn't get any of Floyd, so I'm wondering if he just didn't do much. Um, <laughs> so I don't know how much I, how much attention I paid from other than just shooting shooting pictures, but but really they you know they pressed the whole game. They wore Tuscala down. Thought they were pretty. They were pretty. They were organized in the half court for sure. They had kids hitting. You know they had kids spaced out hitting corner threes. Um, but I, again, not my brand of offense. As far as – I mean, I, I definitely like the pace. You know, I, I like playing fast. Um, but I also – as much as I like motion, I value the fact that, look, they've got three kids, Williamson, Moss, and Floyd, who can do a lot of damage in space. And so if, you, if your goal is to create as much space as possible for those guys, then, then you do it. And Williamson is just really good. And they eventually wore that other Tuscaloosa down, especially the kid going to Loyola, who was really impressive the first 14 minutes of the game. So, and they brought a crowd. They traveled well. They're, they're just east of Decatur, Illinois, just south of Champaign, and they they came straight across US 36. You Wait, know, I looked it up. I've I've actually been through that town. <laughs> it's straight across Rockville road. So they, uh, they, uh, they, they brought a decent crowd. It was, it was kind of fun. So, so yeah, so that, that was my best game of the week. Um, I don't know that I saw a lot of great games this week. I think I'm tainted a little bit because of how the Carmel host that game ended, but, but, um, I'm going to stick with that. So who was your best team of the week?
2: Uh, best team
0: be the same again we we don't have to be different games it can be all from the same game i mean these aren't exactly hard fat these aren't exactly enforceable rules but it it can be it could all be from the same game i mean prefer it not sometimes but sometimes you just can't get away from it
2: um man because you saw you saw what homestead did to carmel and i i saw what they did to Warsaw, but yeah to me, they just didn't dominate Warsaw like I thought they should have.
0: Yeah. Well, that's fine. I'm not, it, it, I'm not
2: saying that. No, it doesn't have to be, that. and it
0: doesn't have to be the best team. I just mean like the best team performance. So, right. you know, it might be Penn. It might be.
2: And and, and if it, and if we're going that with the best team performance, it's got to be pen for me. I mean, yeah, that's where we're going with it. Yeah, uh, they had seven guys all do something that I that I really liked in the game. So. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate team effort right there for me is if you have everybody contributing that's playing in the game and not just out there giving somebody a breather. If they put guys in uh, with a purpose, those guys did their jobs. Um, and, and I really like what I saw from Penn last night. Uh, Joe Smith didn't score a basket, but he, he kept Drew Adzia and uh, A.J. Lux. On their heels, and he locked them down on defense as well. Uh, they also have another tough guard, Joey Garwood, who played really good defense and scored some good buckets uh, in the paint, hit a couple threes, knocked down free throws at the end, also to seal the game for Penn. And then, of course, Marcus Burton finished with 16 last night, had 10 assists was a dog on defense, gave Adzia fits all night. Yeah, so Marcus was dog on defense, uh, closes out like crazy. Probably one of the top guys I've seen close out guard-wise on, on, uh, on defense. Uh, like I said, finished with 10 assists. I'm not sure. He might have had one turnover, if any. Um, I didn't keep track of that but Marcus is the real deal, I feel like. Um, Gatetti for them, tall. He's six, what, six, six? I think he had eight points, probably eight rebounds, also. So he's solid inside. I mean, they're just the they know their roles, solid team. They're getting older, like you mentioned. One senior plays, they're they're really solid team,
0: yeah. They- and I got to imagine, too, late in the game, did Penn kind of lead the whole game, or at least late? Were they they in control most of the fourth quarter, say?
2: A lot of the fourth quarter, probably. Third quarter was a little more back and forth and maybe the beginning of the fourth before Penn finally took it over. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I got to believe Burton at that point just makes him better because you have to go get him at that point.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah. And like I said, Joey Garwood, the other guard that's come along for them, he he knocked down four free throws at the end there that were in how that what's
0: he listed at now size wise?
2: Six one for Joey.
0: I see, he's grown a lot. He's finally maturing physically. Yeah. And uh he's probably pretty long. He's been yeah, a he, you know, he's I, been a hardworking kid. He's just been just been short, you know, and you kind of look at him and think, well, one day he's gonna he's gotta grow into those arms. So <laughs> <laughs> I think he's, it's good that he's finally doing it. So yeah, I think this would be the year that Penn would start to blossom a little bit because, you know, it's not when you don't have size, it's not easy to be young, right? You know, when you've got some, when you've you've got some a little bit of muscle up front, it's easier to be to be that. And as I was talking about Durda earlier, he wouldn't be the muscle, but but he just brought some skill and length to it. But but um, you know, I don't know, we need to track that down or.
2: Or I'm, yeah, forgetting I
0: can do. or I'm forgetting a name. I don't know. But anyway, uh, you know, my team of the week, I, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to go with, I'll go with the Homestead, you know, and I'm because mostly in large part, because you didn't, because I'd, I'd figure why I'd talk about the same team. Yep. I, what I, what impressed me about them was just their, their defensive, their defensive game plan. They, they never, there was never a free path to basket, never. And, you know, that's something that Carmel has been able to manufacture a lot of times, especially as they, as they control the ball, um, that they, they, um, they do a really good job of turning the other team's defense into their offense. And they weren't able to get, they weren't able to make Homestead pay for it either. You know, that's the other, that's the other thing. Um, I don't want to get too deep into the Carmel side of it other than you know they got there's a couple of kids that aren't playing great to start the year uh but this is you know Charlie Williams would be one of them and, and Sam Orm would be another and Charlie started the year slow last year <laughs> I said I wouldn't get too deep into it but then yeah. finished it extremely strong and you know this is look and for orm it's a new role for him it's 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 a role of expectation and i I don't Someone asked me they lost two games this year. If I'm worried, I'm like, no, hell no. They lost to Zionsville and Homestead. Zion's was looking really darn good, and and but but and Homestead was just really impressive defensively. I, and look, Carmel's a good defensive team. So if if Homestead didn't look great, I mean, Lawyer had a good game, but he scored a lot of stuff late when it was kind of already decided. Uh, but he is such a presence on the floor. You've always got to account for him and. And, you know, he had 25 points. I think he had 12 points going into the fourth quarter. Um, he, he is the one thing I, one thing I do like about him is that he will really, you know, he will trust his teammates. You know, they've, they've got, they've got other kids who are talented and, and can play and they've got a good group of young guys too, that, I mean, when, when Andrew Leaper and Lawyer graduate, it's not like Homestead's all of a sudden going to be bad. They're going to be still be a good good team, and they've got the younger Leaper and Grant. They've got Kyle Kopeki, who Kopeki, who Kyle, Piki, who, Kyle Puiki, whose name I continue to butcher, despite the fact that he's a former Carmel kid. Um, they've got Tucker Day, who's a six seven, six eight sophomore, and I I would guarantee you they've got a, probably a handful of perimeter players in the JV that. Will be ready to step into bigger roles next year on, on at the varsity level. So, but their defensive performance, you know, a lot of that was Grant Leaper, the, the junior, the younger one, and some of it was also Andrew. Um, they they were fantastic at protecting the paint, and they never gave Carmel an easy path. Never. And that includes obviously Suter, um who's who is looking to be more aggressive and more assertive, as, as he's had to be because of obviously the graduation of Waddell. And you know, kudos to Homestead for uh, for how they played that game, especially for how they played the fourth quarter. So, who's who's your player?
2: My player is going to be Fletcher, Fletcher Lawyer.
0: Yeah, uh, I'll at pick the one then. Oh, okay, <laughs> go for it. Go for it. For,
2: from the Warsaw game Friday night, he had twenty-one at halftime. Uh, finished with thirty-one. Handful of rebounds. Had a few assists also in there. Like you're saying, he. He gets his teammates involved, uh, understands that when defenses are keying on him that he needs to dish it off and he can get into the paint and then do that. Then he's got leaper to give it to who just dunks it. Um, Or he kicked it out the swing a couple times for them and swing hit a couple threes in the first quarter against Warsaw. And He just makes people around him better, forces people to guard him. You give him an inch, he rises up over you. Um, You get too tight on him, he can drive around you. I'm not saying that's going to happen. That obviously won't happen next year at Purdue because he's going to be a little slower than some of those guys with the ball. But but Friday night, uh, Fletcher put him on his back and, and carried him through that one.
0: <clears throat> yeah, that, that's, and that would be tough to turn around. I mean, he just was – I thought Carmel did a really good job on him for, for three quarters. I really do. Um, they made him work for everything. He was – he was below 500 from a shooting perspective. Uh, he hadn't hit a three through three quarters. I, I don't even know that he hit a three in the fourth quarter. May have hit one. Uh, I, I think anytime you can, you can limit. Uh, that's the, that was the deal last year in the regionals. I, I remember the again the radio crew that I sat by. They talked a lot about, you know, lawyer and, and Luke Good weren't getting shots from the three point line. And if you could keep them from doing that, then you you had a distinct advantage because they they would hit threes last year, especially at a high volume. Now I don't know if they're going to hit the same volume this year, but but I think they certainly plan on lawyer doing that. You know, being that guy, you know, continuing to be that guy. So, um, I, my player my player will be Ashton Williamson. Again, just the nice. the overall effort and talent that he brings to the floor you know, he's, he's a worker. He doesn't, doesn't take plays off. Um, I, I don't know what is st- what his stats were for the game, but, but he was always in the mix. He was making plays for everybody. And defensively, he's just such a wonderful defender. He rebounds his position extremely well for a point guard. And, and I, you know, I really, really like watching him play just in general. Um, I almost went with JQ Robert, with Jake Roberts out of Bloomington North. Um, he was, he was pretty good. He made some nice plays, but I, I – honestly, I didn't stay for the fourth quarter. <laughs> I don't even know how that game ended. That was the sixth game of the day. I left after five games at, at uh, Brownsburg and went to Center Grove, Bloomington North just to watch and and get a chance to watch JQ play. And he was um, – lived up to it. He, he's, he's more skilled. But, but Williamson is my player. Performance of the week, and that's not the same as saying player of the week. Well, that's a separate process that we email the coaches on, and we get a lot of feedback from them on that. So,
2: all right, you, what, think was Ashton, there, you think Ashton's matured a little bit?
0: You mean just what in terms of on court? Uh,
2: yeah, maybe like uh, as a player and decision making. And I, it seems like a lot of the times I've seen him the last couple of years, he, he forced some stuff and got a little get going a little too a little too fast and.
0: Did we? Did we get to – I didn't get to see him play last year. Obviously, did you? Were you able to see him play before he left? Before yeah. he left Calumet?
2: Yeah,
0: you did. You got to see one of his early couple games.
2: Yeah, because they played. I think Michigan City. I think seems like I can't remember now. I mean, I
0: do think it's easier when you've got other talented players with you to to be right. You know, and I I think too it's it's you know, the one game I have of him in my mind is watching the the video of the sectional when they got beat by Hammond, you know? when he was really the only player Calumet had that could compete. And he was a freshman, and you just know that physically he wasn't going to be able to sustain, sustain that yeah. the whole game versus what Hammond had for them. Um, yeah, I, I didn't... I guess I never really viewed maturity as, as a problem for him, other than just decision making. But and again, and I, had, I guess I don't want
2: to—I don't want to say maturity. He's not mature, but like just I get growth more. I, I would yeah, say. I definitely saw. It.
0: Yeah, as far as decision okay. making, absolutely, and understanding yeah. not just not just finding teammates, but setting things up and, and understanding how. Again, I go back to the word gravity. Understanding the gravity that he, that he has yeah. on the floor and, and knowing how to manipulate that. Yeah, absolutely um okay good but then damn also knowing that he can finish and get through people and
2: oh he's
0: good he's just
2: i'm not sure a couple weeks
0: i'm not sure how how great this class is as, as far as top tier talent but he's right he's right there you know as far as like getting high major offers and things like that he's i think he's right there to borderline his shot his shot does look smoother it's still something he needs to work on but um but no, the rest of his game is is pretty much there. So, um, all right, freshman guys, um, any any freshman this week that you saw that just stood out? And again, doesn't have to be terrific. It doesn't have to be somebody that was, you know, like a stud. Just somebody that really stood out and produced at the varsity level.
2: Yeah. So, um, South Bend St. Joe has a freshman by the name of Chase Chase Kinesny. Uh probably recognize the last name from last year with J.R. Knezni, a yep. brother who's now another name. Uh, Chase comes in as a freshman at St. Joe's six, three looks body type is a lot similar to his brother. Uh, shot mechanics look very similar to his brother also. And he ended up with 23 uh, nice. Tuesday night. Uh, shot well from outside. Rebounded this position. Well, he's long got those long arms. Uh, so, so, is tough, tough defender as well. Um, can shoot it well from outside. He knocked down a few threes, and he, he actually finished in the paint pretty well. Uh, also,
0: we he's played in the fall league with that group that came with Brooks and all those guys that came down and played. Oh, yeah. Won it. Nice. They actually won it, and we talked about him and and you know when they played in the back when they played on the courts three and four. Chris got a chance to see him play, and he really he he brought him up when we played against him in our pool, they were in our pool. We were able to beat them. Yeah. Uh, but he was good. He did well. And he, uh, he, like he, like you said, he shot the ball well. And I think the one thing that I took away was that he may not be as bouncy as Jr.
2: Nope. I would agree. Um,
0: and I think Jr. maybe was a little bit taller than him at that age. Um, which, you know, it, that might be the difference between going to Notre Dame and, you know, being a, you know another level college player. I mean, he's going to be a good one for sure because he was definitely playing on a team in a, in a set of pools that was the best of the best in in the fall league every you know that we do every year and and he um, he was he was definitely he he showed that he could be on the floor with those guys and they liked him they they trusted him and yeah you know credit I mean obviously it helps when Hatkovich is your your high school point guard or going to be your high school point guard, and he's also on your, your fall league team. But but the other guys, like even guys like Brooks and Kakalia, they said his name right. Um, I mean, they they trusted him. They knew he could make plays, you know, and he he was able to do that. So um, mine is – I'm, I'm going to say one name, but then I'm going to talk about his team a little bit. Kobe Colby Hall from Scottsburg, 6'5 freshman. They're starting center on a team that starts three sophomores and and a senior. And they have as good of a young core group of kids that I've well, I mean it's it's early. I was gonna say seen this year. It's we're not too deep, but we're not far enough in to really have that mean much. But but I mean, as much as we taught, as much as we looked at teams and started preparing for who the best of who the best teams were gonna be in each class, I didn't see a whole lot of teams that had their youth. It's, it's basically they will, they will play in a given game five sophomores and a freshman. Three of the, three of the sophomores start and then Colby Hall, the freshman, also starts. and I'm going to say the names of the other sophomores real quick. Uh, Jack Miller, whose father John is the head coach at Hanover, uh, Wyatt Zellers is a forward, six seven forward, and then um, um, Cody Clancy is effectively their starting point guard at six one, and Hall is their starting center. And they played Eastern High School out of Pekin, which you know their Pekin's going to be good this year. Uh, and they've got they've got uh, Jake Cherry, who's a six ten junior, and a and a really good defender. Not you know he's definitely he improves each year offensively, but he is, he has always been a good defender for them. Um, and he is they did a lot of pick and pop action with this kid at six foot five. And he was able to take advantage of the fact of that, you know, Jake's number one job, even though he's really good in in extended ball screen coverage, they kind of make sure he's just always around to protect the paint. And they took advantage of that with hall. And not only did they, not only did he look comfortable doing it, but they, they were prepared. They, They planned for him to get those touches. So you know, when you start a freshman, it's one thing. When you start running things for him, it's another. And he is he's gonna be a big reason why is gonna be good. Probably they, you know, they may they may be a year away from maybe getting out of a sectional, but I would imagine that they they that group has some pretty high hopes for for themselves as they go through their their next two or three seasons. So so yeah, Kobe Hall would be my my core, my freshman, young guy addition to that side of it. So Um, anything else, any hot, we're going to bring back hot take theater at some point, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're not big on the hot takes. Yeah. Come on. Well, we'll get deep enough in the season where some of the hot takes will be who we think Mr. Basketball will be. You know, you can, those can be some go-tos. You can just sort of, sort of cushion those and, and then pull them out later when you need them. So, but we'll, we'll let you off the hook right now.
2: All right. Good, good.
0: <laughs> Go with you. Got a read, get your read ready.
2: Yeah. Box out sports is leading online graphic solution, giving you the ability to create professional content in seconds to highlight your team and student athletes this season. You can sign up for a free demo at boxoutsports.com.
0: Courts Indiana podcast is on Apple podcast, Spotify and our new platform host anchor anchor.fm it's nice they have a lot of nice features for us nice. you can subscribe via each of those apps and have them delivered straight to your phone tablet or desktop and we would ask you to to follow us on twitter at courtside ind um, if you got any uh, content ideas any questions anything that you want us to talk about we would definitely welcome that the uh, the dms are always open the, the Anchor one, if you guys at home who listen, if, you, if you're really not into the whole podcasting thing as far as listening in a car or on, you know, on your headphones or whatever, you want to listen to it at your computer. Um, you know, if you have Apple, Apple has their podcast apps on, their de- you know, on all their computers. You def- that's definitely an easy place to listen. Uh, Spotify, I think, has a nice website interface where you can listen to podcasts. Oh, Chris is looks like Chris might be joining us. This podcast just got longer. And then
2: uh he can and then I'll Anchor, tap out.
0: You, you tap it out. Then Anchor FM yeah. is a good place to listen on your your desktop browser. So there that's where we're going with it. Chris, Zach, you leaving?
2: With... Good to see you guys. See you Chris. All right, Zach's leaving.
0: With... All right, bye, Zach. <laughs> Later. All right, Chris. Real quick, I I, I kind of have to get going too here, but uh thanks for joining us. How was the banquet?
1: It was pretty good. Just the end of the season football banquet, brand um, the season, and I enjoyed it very much. So yeah. nice.
0: Did you get any awards?
1: Uh, no, but I got a nice bag that has my nice. name embroidered on it. So I like that. Cool. So, yeah. Cool.
0: Right. Those are nice. All right, man. Well, we we just got through the whole podcast other than this. So, what? Tell us a little bit about Zion'sville Westfield. That was I went and watched one of my guys play Friday night. I missed that game, and I missed Berbuff Cathedral. But you were at Brown. You were at Zion'sville Westfield. Tell us a little bit about how that game went, and and then I'll, I may have a couple of questions for you. Then we'll wrap it up.
1: Yep. So first, first thing I'll talk about is the atmosphere, and I think um, Coach How. Put, put the pretty well on in the Indy start. How it was kind of a sectional like atmosphere. Both 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 um, teams had really good student sections there, really loud. And it just especially at the end there when Zions was shooting free throws, Westfield student section was extremely loud. And I think those two crowds definitely played an influence in momentum, just because they were really really loud both of them. Um, but basically the first quarter kind of was an outlier compared to how the rest of the game went because the first quarter was pretty Westfield heavy. They got up 13-4 to four, um, pretty early, and, it, and then Zions would call a timeout, and at that point, you know, it was kind of a little kind of thinking they would take the momentum, but the second quarter was probably the most action-packed quarter I've seen in quite a while for high school. When it came down to with, with about four minutes left, um, Braden Smith kind of took over, and he, he hit four threes in that span, And he had an and one. Um, I think he started with the and one, and then he just, I mean, he just kept hitting threes, deep threes. There was a couple of them. There was good defense, especially the last one he made. He he fell over because the guy was kind of in his face and just made it right over a – right over, depending on whoever it was, but most of them were taller than him. So just right over them. Um, But Zionsville, every single time, just kind of kept with it. It got to four at the highest in that span of time. I think it might have gotten to five but they just – it was kind of back and forth, back and forth. Um, Isaiah Davis played really well in that second quarter, and he kind of kept his eyes on it in terms of being able to kind of get some offensive flow going. And there was just good ball movement, a lot of assists in that second quarter. But really both teams were an offensive frenzy in that quarter. I think it was 21-17 that quarter score, which compared to 13-7 in the first is quite a difference. Third quarter, um, it seemed like there was a little bit of – Momentum right away, Zions went out to an 8-0 run, was up 37-30. I, I think it even got to 39-30. Um, but then Braden Smith started getting some shots going, peck, picked up where he left off and got some of his other guys involved. Um, and then at the end of the third quarter, it was 44-41. It, that back and That back-and-forth flow just kind of kept going the rest of the game. And really, um, both teams, I feel like, shot pretty well. I think, um, I really think that, and even looking at the shooting stats and things like that, everything was pretty even, but the one kind of big difference, which I think kind of really helped out was the rebounding, which was 39 to 31 in favor of Zionsville. And that included, we there was, in the second overtime specifically, we had, we missed five free throws in a row, mm. um, which, but we got two offensive rebounds in that span, which took some time off the clock. And gave us more chances. So then it was 67, 65 and Smith, Smith had some good drives, um, but couldn't quite finish at the rim. There was even a, and there was even at the end of the first overtime, there was a shot that he just barely missed. It was a clean look, really clean layup. And then Logan i got the rebound and almost made a f- full court shot. It rolled on the rim and almost went in. Um, and then there was even, I think at the end of the, fourth quarter there was a shot where um he was close to making it. there's a little bit of the fans were not pleased because the Westwood guy kind of grabbed the ball before it hit the ground and some people thought it was goaltending um but i i think it was a good call because i don't think you can that's hard to end a game like that um but yeah but it was it was an interesting game for sure i think uh smith played really well he really showed his how he can be dominant and i think that um Almost every game this year, he could have above 20 and he had six assists too. So he really, he has a good knack. There's a few times where he almost tried to do a little too much passing had like, there's a couple of times where he got a little bit of ahead of himself, um, but he he really played fantastically and he shot really well. Hafner, it wasn't his best night shooting. I remember last year in the sectional against Ansel, he was six of seven from three, um, but this time he hit a couple of tough threes and, He still played well, and I thought their big Alex Romack, um, I didn't comment about this, but he he was very active in the post. He didn't really get a lot of his shots to fall, but I thought he was decently active. Um, And then for Zionsville, Rehart played probably his best game of the year so far. You saw him a couple of times. He was a little bit not to his last season form the first two games, but this one He really got things going and kind of, again, with the Davis kind of kept the momentum going, which you even said in um, I think your Ben Davis game takes that the bigs need to get more production, or that may have been the Karma one, and that's kind of drove drove.
0: It was was both. I mean, a lot of it, too, is one of the questions I was going to ask was Rehard if he – how he was rebounding this game and because he hadn't really been rebounding much uh, up to that point. And I think I did see that he actually rebounded pretty well against Westfield, but this was also a team that doesn't have the same type of size that they had to go against with, against Carmel and Ben Davis. So did he rebound better? Is that, did I see that yeah, correctly or? For,
1: yeah, for sure. He had, he finished with 12 rebounds, seven offensive boards. And, and I feel like kind of one thing I noticed was that our bigs kind of finally really took their size to their advantage and um, getting those offensive rebounds and, they just it looked like we were just kind of had a little bit more effort on the glass um than Westfield in that game. And him, him and Davis. I think Davis had four offensive rebounds and they they combined for I think 19 rebounds in total, um, which for two bigs, that's that's really solid. That's that's a yeah. good number to see. Um and yeah, but well, yeah.
0: do you do you get the impression and you and you may you may be you may be too young to to know what this looks like sometimes. I don't know yet. We'll see. Do you get the impression that Imes gets gets a feel for when he needs to really up his game.
1: I think. I mean, that's I 100 would agree with that. And I can I noticed it multiple times in the Westfield game because there was times, especially in the third and fourth quarter, and even and even throughout this season, where there's been times where I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, we're not, not in a good spot. And then, especially against Westfield, he goes out there and hits tough. He's kind of one of his signature shots is like a fadeaway baseline two pointer that he hit a couple times against Westfield. And he, I think he has a good awareness of when he needs to go score yep. as opposed to if he can be more passive and especially against Westfield, I think in the fourth quarter, that's kind of what kept us close when they kind of started pulling away a bit and got back in the lead. Just him. It kind of seemed like he started dialing in and trying to score, which I, I think I noticed that for sure. So.
0: Because he, he hit the game-winning shot against Ben Davis or what would eventually became was the game-winning yeah. shot. It wasn't like he hit at the buzzer. but uh, he, And he also scored or assisted on nine straight points against Carmel when the, took, taking the deficit from down four to up five. You know, and, and mm-hmm. you know, he was – he started to look like a kid that – I'll say this, two years ago when he was a freshman in the sectional, and they were, they were playing – I want to say they were playing Fishers. The, the disposition of that game completely changed in the fourth quarter when he came in. And it was one of those things where he kind of felt he should have been playing most of the game and instead of just relying on the two seniors uh, at the time. Um, you know, they – and look, coaches rely on seniors, especially in the tournament. But, but he was the one guy who was different. You know, those other guys were just kind of ball movers, maybe hits open shots, but they weren't creators. He's he's a creator. And he made a difference in that game. I don't know if it was just. You know, dumb luck as a freshman, you know, he just was able to get in there. He threw a behind the back pass in traffic. Um, He just all of a sudden the game got faster when he was in there. And but then you can sense. I mean, obviously I liked him last year, but you could sense in the Carmel game, you could sense in the Ben Davis game that he understands. Um, he understands when it's time for him to sort of maybe not, maybe not put them on his back, but but definitely push a little harder to um, to get himself a little bit more engaged and, and to get others more engaged as well. So, yeah, I think if, if, if Rehart and, and Isaiah Davis are going to rebound, um like big should, I mean, they, Zionsville will be, I mean, we're going to start talking about them as a state title contender. I mean, we, I had them in my top 10 to begin with. So it wasn't like I thought they were too far off, um, but their four and start considering who they've beaten, you know, puts them as I think we're going to, we are going to have some power rankings on our website that we update maybe not every week, but certainly a few times this year. Uh, they're going to be right up there with, with Cathedral and, and Homestead for sure in Carmel. So, um, and I, I would have thought Westfield. You know, Westfield's going to be in the mix too. The sec- sectional eight is it's been second to sectional ten for a few years. I think this year sectional eight is going to step up and and when it's all said and done, be the be the I don't know from a staggering perspective the stronger sectional. So. There's not going to be a bad team in that sectional this year. In fact, there's going to be four really strong teams. So, well, Chris, any uh, any uh, so Romac was good. I think Romac's kind of a wild card for Westfield. He gives them something they haven't had lately, which is a big kid who can who can make plays. Um, so it was good to hear you mention him. Um, but uh, anything else? You had a fun banquet. You're good to go. You got got a yeah, nice yeah. got a nice gift. Nice parting nice. gift. For the sure. for the fo- yep. for the football season. Cool. Yeah. Well, we appreciate nice. it. We we'd almost kind of closed the podcast when you came on. So um all all stuff for me to say is those that listen every week, we appreciate it. And uh, those that are listening for the first time, hopefully you come back and and hit that subscribe button too because we'd love to have you back. So Chris, thanks for getting on. No problem. And I appreciate your time. Thanks for listening everybody. <laughs>